0: Hi everyone, this was a live One Question XYZ recording at the Javits Center during DMWF. We met with Bob Monac, who is an executive producer of digital and social media at Disney's ABC. He discusses the inner workings around how they discover and distribute content. We also discuss how a multimedia company functions and some perspectives on branding, marketing, and sales, as well as how they're interrelated. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi everyone, we're back here at DMWF, and you're here with Dahlia and, and Carl. Yeah, Carl, hello. <laughs> and our guest today is Bob Monek. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Sure, thank you for having me.
0: So, Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So, I have been in the business, uh, the media business, for probably about 30 years. So, I started out in radio, ended up in TV, did TV producing for about, uh, probably about 13 years before I jumped over to the digital side. And I've been doing um, digital content and social content for probably the last dozen years or so. It's evolved over, uh, uh, you know, the last five years especially. It's gotten very, very different. Uh, and I've been working for, I've been with Disney now for uh, about 23 years uh, in all aspects. Um,
0: Super fascinating. Um, yeah. So. Tell us about your trajectory at Disney. You said that uh, you're the executive producer there, right? Of social yeah. and digital content. Social
1: and digital content for WABC, which is our flagship uh, owned television station. We have eight uh, local TV stations around the country, uh, and I've worked for uh, WABC here in New York as well as WPBI in Philadelphia. So it's been the extent of my career has been in local television um, with Disney, anyway. So.
0: So what's that like? Especially when like it's so fragmented, right? Like they have. They have uh, Disney World. They have Disneyland. They have. Um, they obviously own like uh, production companies, and I you you could probably tell us more about that. But
1: yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because uh, we're all we're very much about synergy and trying to support each other. Uh, especially for a local TV station, uh, it really brings Disney. Uh, on the ground, right, in the community, in the local community. Uh, And so we do a lot of support with uh, elements like, you know, like the Mickey Mouse celebration that's coming up the 90th uh, this week. Uh, So we do a lot of support work with things like that. Or uh, with the network, with the ABC network, with new shows that come out. We'll interview the new stars and celebrities. uh, And then different... uh, events inside uh, each community, volunteers, uh, and helping out in, in our local communities. Uh, you know, all the Disney cast members, local TV employees included in that mix, uh, go out and volunteer under the Disney volunteers uh, umbrella. So it's 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 all connected in one way or the, or another.
0: It sounds amazing, but it sounds massive. Like, how do you manage all of
2: this? Yeah, it's
1: huge. <laughs> it is a huge, you know, I think um, Bob Iger's vision... You know, it is a media company, but it's so much more than that. Um, and he really understands, I think, that you need the big brands like the Marvels, um, the ABCs of the world, to reach a mass audience. But Bob Iger, who's also from WABC, where he worked uh, started out as, uh, in his career with Disney, um, you know, really understands the value of the local community and being uh, a part of it. And I think... That has been one of the advantages for, um, you know, for Disney is having these local stations in eight big communities. We cover 23% of the country. Um, wow, and it also, it also benefits us because we're part of a great brand, one of yeah. the best brands there is. Now I, I'm a sports guy, so yeah.
2: kind of curious, where does ESPN fall within that framework of
1: It's part of it, it's absolutely part of it. I mean ESPN was born under Cap Cities, but you know, now it's under the, the Disney umbrella, yeah. obviously. Um, you know, ESPN is a it's it's still part of the Disney family. Sure. You'll see a lot of it uh, integrated within the channel itself. Yeah, like so the cross promotion. Yeah, be watching ABC and then they'll be plugging something on ESPN or vice versa. And on so. the local level too, because you know ESPN a lot of times, um, you know, not everybody has cable uh, or access to over the top, and they still rely on broadcast and you know uh, things of that nature. So for us, like for New York, like a Giants or Jets game, maybe on Channel 7, or we may uh, share it with another local station, Philadelphia, where the Eagles play, you know, if they're going to be on ESPN, that ESPN broadcast will be on Channel 6 in Philadelphia. So there is, there's definitely, uh, you know, cross, uh, a cross mix.
2: So like, I mean, obviously, I've seen a couple of speakers already that talk about, you know, cable subscriptions down, I don't have cable, I've, you know, my internet access, and I go to Netflix, I consume online. Has that been like? I mean, a big fear for your company, and like, just this sh- big shift. Too? I won't.
1: I won't say it's a fear. Um, I think um, that we recognize that people have changed their habits. I mean, one of the big things, like the the, uh, the Disney app that's coming out in the next year or so, uh, the streaming service to compete with. Very cool. With, yeah. with Netflix is one of the is one of the reasons that's happening. Um, does it change what we're doing? Yes. Does it scare us? Well, maybe a little bit, but it's more of a challenge than anything else. It's trying to reach the audience in different ways. Um, You know, the older audience is still, you know, lockstep with TV for most part. You know, you ask me if you can get an audience on uh, television over 55. No problem. Under 35, it's a big problem, right? Uh, Unless it's a big live event. And if it's a big live event or breaking news or something like that, people under 25 or 35 still turn to television because it's still like that gathering spot. But... On a day-to-day basis, we're trying to reach the audience on their phones, on their over-the-top devices, on their laptops, any way we can, whatever platform they're on, whether it's Facebook, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. Um, you have to be in this environment. Uh, and you can't put the same content on the same uh, platforms either, because um, you know the audience is consuming it differently. They're different ages. Uh, they're different groups. Uh, so... You know you that's kind of that's a challenge. Right? I actually I just followed you on Instagram. Thank, right? Thank you very and much. You're verified blue check. Yeah. <laughs> but,
2: but I was I was gonna like when it comes to I mean I was pleased to see you on Instagram. I think you know I got my mom on it, and not that you're a little older than me, but. Is there a platform that you particularly like
1: more than another, just for your own consumption? I th- I find that I like different platforms for different reasons. Um, I do use Instagram a lot. I think it's easy to use. You know, there's lots of pictures. The story feature is very nice. I think it's easier to use than Snapchat's um, story feature in many ways. Um, so I think if I tend to lean one way, it's probably towards Instagram, but I use them all for one reason or another. Like Twitter, I'll use a lot for breaking news. Facebook is more about a connection uh, on a deeper level, I think, uh, either with friends or family around anything from things going on in my own life or things that are happening in the public sphere. So When, when you're coming, like, sorry, I, I, I oh, studied yeah. TV and film <laughs> like,
2: From a production standpoint, you're working with anchors and talent. Sure. Um, is, is there a strategy within that like to... Like, I'm on a Bravo show currently, and they don't really give us much coaching for social media. It's really on us to promote our brand or the show we're on. Do you guys have, like, strategic ways of, like, hey, this anchor is doing a live Philadelphia Eagles broadcast? Like, is he also promoting with them, or
1: is it just on their own just to figure it out? I think anybody that is in this space right now, in the media space, that doesn't recognize how important being on these other platforms is, is, you know, in danger of becoming irrelevant, Right. right? And I think many... Um, You know, people, especially in in the news business, have realized this. Um, Do they do it to perfection? Are they experts at it? Probably not. There are some who are much better at it than others and have really engaged the audience in different ways on different platforms. Um, So we encourage and we coach uh, the best we can. Um, But I think it depends really on the age group, you know. Largely, I mean, people who are coming into the business who are 25 already get it because they've lived it, Mm -hmm. right? The same way, like, when I was growing up, I lived, you know, the television experience, so I understood it, and it was easy in for me. People who have been in this business as long as I have, who, uh, you know, have been lockstep in, you know, all they've done is, like, TV reporting, for instance, I think it is harder to adjust because you have habits, Mm -hmm. you know, and to break those habits and change habits is difficult. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Sure. Now, that's an exaggeration. You can learn, but it's it's time-consuming, and it's a struggle. So.
0: so where do you find yourself spending a majority of your day-to-day? Because you're focusing on digital, so assuming that's a little bit more broadcast-focused, and then, like, social, so you're figuring out how to start conversations. And I know you mentioned the live events. Like, what does your day-to-day look like?
1: Uh, I mean, my day starts off looking at, A, what worked yesterday in terms of what was... What were people, um, you know, talking about? What were they accessing on our platforms? Uh, What was resonating for us? And does that carry over to to the next day? And I look also at what's happening in in the New York market. Uh, What are people talking about? Is there an issue or a story that's resonating with people? And then can we act upon it? And how do we act upon it? Uh, And then you also have to look at the stories of the day, being in the news business, you know there's a lot a lot of news every day especially in New York some of it is planned so there are events that are planned uh we can look at how to how we want to approach that what is going to work uh or not work and sometimes we have uh content that's left over from the day before that uh you know we just couldn't get to because it was just too busy but we know that it will work you know it's some things are not time sensitive, so we can recreate it and make it, make it work for you know, the audience the next day. We're also looking long term, though, too, because every day I have to think about you know, what is our team gonna do for um, the next event that's coming down the road. For us, like the New York Marathon was a very big um, big event that we have to really think about in terms of how we are going to, what stories are we gonna do uh, online, how are we gonna socialize it, Uh, Things of that nature. How are we going to cover it live? The midterm election, another big event that we have to think about, you know, weeks and days in advance. I mean, we started out, the midterms, we started thinking about it, you know, really hard about probably the end of summer, beginning of fall. I was going
0: to ask, what is the lead time? Because it's not like a whim thing, right? Like, you almost need a couple of months of preparation.
1: You do. You do. And you have to, you know... if you're on a national level, I think you're thinking about the presidential election already. On a local level, it's not as engaged. But for midterms, we were probably, we probably in earnest started thinking about how we were going to cover that locally probably over the summer. Uh, we started out um, about six or seven weeks in advance of the midterm trying to get our audience um, engaged. Uh, we had a show that we did every Thursday night, or Tuesday night, pardon me, uh, at eight o'clock, uh, just centered around the um, election. And we had different guests come in we had nate silver from 538 come in and talk about you know the, the, the polls and the forecasting and we did this on tuesday nights at eight o'clock because that's when the polls closed and we tried to get people in the habit of coming to us every tuesday night at eight o'clock so when election day came and the results were coming in they knew tuesday night eight o'clock that we would be on all platforms streaming this so you know, it's, a great idea. You know it's just thinking yeah. about the big picture in terms of how how are we going to get the audience to come to us. Because yeah. if you just come out of the blue, people aren't going to rem- remember that. You know, it's, it's, it, you got to get people in the habit.
0: And how long did you find that it took to get people in the habit of coming every Tuesday night?
1: Um, you know, they I think they came to recognize it after the first couple of weeks. Uh, we had a pretty big audience on Tuesday night. Uh, we didn't have major, major races in, in this area. I mean, they were uh, pretty much decided early on. Uh, but I thought it was a uh, really good practice for us to get into, um, you know, doing this sort of thing, uh, cause it is different for us. We're so used to, um, you know, television and, uh, planning things that way that you have to think a little bit outside the box when you're, uh, doing digital or yeah. social.
0: And you mentioned that the earlier part of your day, you do some social listening. Are there social listening tools that you use or?
1: I think the number one thing that we use is CrowdTangle, uh, you know, Facebook's product now, uh. It is probably the, um, the most useful tool in terms of looking at, you know, what is happening on pages, uh, different pages, how their audience is reacting, how our audience is reacting to our content. Uh, and, but also looking at, um, you know, the, the scope of things, what people are talking about. You can really see trends um, in terms of topics. And sometimes you can see uh, a unique story that's in a local community that may not be on your radar. I know there was one story we did uh, a few months ago that was about a, um, a hair shop, a fashion shop in uh, on Staten Island, and that was picked up by. It was a story done by the local Staten Island paper. Now, you know you. Unless you're reading the Staten Island paper, you're not going to know about that. I wasn't. I didn't touch on how to paper uh, Yeah, Staten Island. <laughs> Sadly it, enough. Sorry. So, it, but it popped up on on Tangle as a story that was doing really well for them, and it got our attention because we have uh, we have an original series called Glam Lab. So, we have a producer who goes out and she checks out all these different fashion sort of things, beauty things, and uh, we thought that would that would resonate, and that was one of our really good ones because you know, and it, it, that helped us because we knew going in that people it's on Staten Island like them, we thought maybe it would resonate to a bigger audience. So, and, and that, that's how really social listening helps us
0: so i'm kind of curious sorry no
1: this is good you keep going
0: yeah so um so you're like specifically talking about something that like people on staten island would be interested in why did you feel like people um in the larger scope in the new york community would be interested in it did you feel like it'd be a destination that people would travel to or
1: not necessarily i thought it was interesting yeah and i think that's why it was doing so well for them i believe it was on i think it was on facebook and it may have been on Twitter too, where I saw it was doing. It was overperforming for them, as with the crowd tangle called. It. <laughs> it's a big crowd. <laughs> <time. laughs> <laughs> so when you look at that, you think, well, this is this has a uh, this story has an interest beyond mm-hmm. you know just a local community. And that's where um, you can make decisions. Like, well, let's let's try it. And for us, that's a community that you know we want to be involved in anyway because it's part of the New York GMA. And so we try to find stories in these uh, communities. And New York is such a vast area; it's hard to get to them all. So when we see a story, that's an opportunity. You definitely want to, you know, chase it.
0: Yeah.
2: Good. Yeah, you're, you're thinking. I'm I'm thinking of like you know I'm typically I'm on a Bravo show, which is owned by NBC. I, for whatever reason, tend to gravitate towards NBC. Like, from a competitive standpoint, I mean, how competitive are you guys with the ABC or I'm sorry, the NBC, CBS's?
1: Thoughts? Um, I think are, we're, are they on your radar all day, or are you just? I mean, they your are. Own? You're definitely on a new on a new standpoint. Yes, absolutely. know, We always want to be. You know, we always want to be, you know, um, be competitive. We want to do the story better than the other guy, and you know, have the have the hook that nobody else has. Uh, But our approaches are vastly different. The stories may be somewhat the same, you know, in terms of what we're covering, but how we cover them is always different. You know, NBC and CBS have much different approaches to digital and social than we do, not just on the local level, but on a a national level. They're approaching things a little bit differently. Sure. And you know about, you know, the whole Comcast-Disney battle for the, you know, the the Fox assets. That was, you know, that's a, a testament to that. You know, we're all thinking... Uh, different ways about how to how to get content to the viewers um, into the viewers' hands. So yeah, well, when you
2: mentioned like the crowd tangle, like the the data and the analytics behind all this stuff, do you like have you ever seen like a crowd tangle? Like something's overperforming, you really want to go and do it, but there's like some red tape within your team. Like, do you find yourself fighting or selling? get some of these stories made just
1: because the the data says so? No, not necessarily. I mean, it depends what the story is. I mean, the biggest challenge, I think, for all local publishers, and you'll probably hear this from everybody else, is resources, right? There are many great stories out there, uh, but trying to get to them all is is the biggest challenge more Mm -hmm. than anything. You know, from a submission, like I have a
2: story, just thinking out loud, um, there's a garden here in New York City that's about to be demolished, and it's right in the heart of Little Italy. It's called the Elizabeth Street Garden. And
0: beautiful.
2: It's a place where you know there's uh, a lot of companies do their meetings there. They have student programs. They have field trips. They have uh, like a gardening class for like the PS one school. My curiosity is we've been trying to submit this story to some various outlets. What would be the best way, for, like, to get this maybe on your team? Right? Well, they're talking to me now, so yeah. that helps.
1: <laughs> But, like, do you you get a lot of submissions for ideas? We get, I mean, that's the other thing that's very uh, challenging in an age of communication. You know, we have so many things that come at us uh, from different angles. Uh, You know, some people will tweet us story ideas. Some people are Facebook messaging us. And there's email. There's phone calls. I mean, I probably get, I'm just guessing, probably at least three dozen emails a day Wow. From PR people. Wow. That doesn't include all the tips that we get from, you know, viewers and right. you know, it's just sifting through all of that to try to find the story. It's, it's kind of like sifting through all the data that we have on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis and trying to figure out what is the most valuable, what can work. And sometimes you're going to miss things, you're just not going to see them, and it happens just because of the volume. That's the, that's the hardest thing. So sometimes a personal connection definitely does help uh, to try to get a story That was a shameless there. plug, I yeah. apologize. <laughs> but it, was just, it just made me think. No, I
0: actually think it's a good question, right? Like, it's almost like, how, how does somebody get onto your radar? Like, okay, let's say some, like, a... Uh, a cause or a company doesn't have the access to Staten Island news, <laughs> 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 so they might not be like number one on your radar, but like how would somebody get on your radar if it's not through like one of those dozens e- of emails or like through tips or, um, and then and kind of like the next step, like how do you decide where that content belongs? Like is this something that should be featured on the news? Is this something that's just like Facebook specific or, um, I don't know, you tell us.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a case by case basis. I think getting, um, um, you know, recognized really, uh, sometimes it helps uh, if you have a personal connection of some sort uh, with somebody on the inside of a news organization. And that doesn't necessarily mean, have to mean, you know, face to face, but say it's somebody you follow on Facebook or Twitter, you're probably going to have, better success getting that story into a reporter who you follow on Twitter than you are trying to message the the news organization like Eyewitness News just because of the volume of stuff that we have to go through every day. Um, The reporter on the ground still has a lot of volume but probably has a little bit more bandwidth and can recognize a story that's going to work or be good for them. Um, So that, I think, is, is probably, if you're trying to get a story out there, that's one way to do it. Um, The other thing is, I mean, we're in a day and age where, um, you know, Facebook groups is a really, you know, active thing, very powerful, powerful. powerful, right? So getting involved in a group or um, creating your own group, especially if enough people are concerned about it, to... Get that to resonate because we yeah, follow groups too. A
0: Facebook group around
1: that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a good that's idea. actually a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So right. it, yeah, you know that that's that's you know it's like organizing on the social platform basically to get yourself recognized. And we follow groups, and you know we have our own groups too. So you know that's that's definitely a way I've, to. The groups to are fascinating.
2: I. I used to be in sales for another company, but I dealt with dentists, and there was an Upper East, Side's, Upper East Side Moms group. That's so group. funny. I mean, oh, yes, literally just we just going to talk about We that. have connected with that group before. Yeah, they're powerful. Yes. Yes. They, like, they know the dentist or, you know, the workout facility, yoga yep. studio, they have. But
0: they're super active, and what's even more interesting, so... They just did like a collection for the lottery, obviously. Yes. Um,
2: yeah. $22, yes. Twenty-two
0: thousand dollars. We won like thirteen hundred dollars. Uh.
2: <laughs> You're in but, the group.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's only moms. Uh, <laughs> usually, yeah. Usually. You
2: have to,
1: and what's nice
0: about it is look you you want to keep it kind of, like, segmented to the overarching topic because there are a lot of mom questions, right? And, like, people that aren't related to that space might not necessarily understand, like, birthday party questions or, like, haircut questions because it's not something that they can internalize. So they want to make sure that it's a good fit for all of their members. Yeah, we have a
1: couple of people in that group, I know, and that we've had stories come up just because of, of being active in that group and in other groups. You know, yeah. the, you know I think that's a, a great way... To connect and you know get stories uh, actually, sold on a bigger level.
0: I think that the lottery thing was featured because it was like mm-hmm. twenty-two thousand dollars that was collected, so one of the biggest, um, I guess, bundles. And because of that, a local business um, that the lottery tickets were purchased from that was featured as well. So it was almost like a nice thing to to feature like what's happening in the community and um, like success stories. Hopefully, like it, as a result of that, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did happen to notice you were a disc jockey in the beginning. So uh. did you ever envision that you would, you know, the state of music, where it is now, the state of social media, news? I mean, when you first started DJing back in, you know, how long ago was it? Maybe 25, 30 years ago, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, when I got in the radio, it was, you know, it was, uh, um, you know, I was pretty young. I was, uh, you know, a teenager, really. I was, I think I was right out of high school, eighteen, nineteen, and I was, I had my first... You know, job at a top 40 radio station, so it was, it was very cool, uh, but there was really no money in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was. So one, one of my favorite I, movies is Private Parts with Howard Stern, <laughs> and he talks to I me mean, that initial like onset.
2: He was out of the radio station in Long Island, I think, or Buffalo, wherever. And I mean, he, the money was. was oh.
1: He was living out of his car. Yeah, it's it, it was, was rough. Yeah, you could. It was very. It's very very difficult to live on uh, a radio. Uh, station salary, especially at that point. And it's changed vastly since then. Um,
0: But you go home and you spin some music, right? (laughs) Well, not
1: anymore, but, (laughs) Um, you know, I think it's evolved, though, right? Like you're saying, music has evolved to adapt to the audience true, in many ways because, um, you know, we still have our local radio stations, but I think um, what I notice is kids are listening more and more to, you know, like iTunes or... um, Um, Spotify. Spotify. And using Pandora and and using things like Musical.ly to connect with, um, you know, music they like on a a different level, different than uh, we were used to, you know. It's like I used to have all these CDs and, you know, you buy them (laughs) all and now it's like you can subscribe to, you know, Apple Music and you can have any music you want. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just the the universe has changed vastly. But then, you know, you mentioned like a lot of your...
2: Audience, you know, maybe 50 plus is still consuming, you know, your news eight o'clock on a Tuesday night on the TV. My dad's a purist; he loves vinyl, and he thinks music should only be played on vinyl. Mm. I mean, are you a pure? Like, do you think the future of TV, like, as that generation gets out, is it
1: is there still going to be like that cable component? Do you think? I'm... I I think so. I think so because um, you know, there's still an audience that you know, there's still an appetite for mass events. Uh, In different ways, I think TV's evolved. It's 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 more about. uh, Well, you can just look at the programming. You know, the live sporting events, the big live events, um, the uh, shows you can't miss. They still exist in in one form or another. Um, Will it be the same as it was ten years ago? No, because it's not the same now that as it was ten years ago. I think it will definitely evolve more. And TV is really everywhere. Now you know it's not the traditional definition of tv you know being in the living room or you know hanging on the wall is um is gone because you can watch tv on your phone now almost anywhere so maybe the definition of tv needs to change yeah you know, i think we need we think a, new, uh,
0: a new book of verbiage right <laughs> we need to coin right. some new terms i agree i think we need that um so so if you think about it like people are pitching and this has become almost like a PR approach, right? So how do you feel like TV lives on the marketing funnel? Um,
1: that's a tough question. Um, you know, it, it's TV is still very, very important. I mean, if you just look at the election, yeah. you know, how are you going to reach a mass audience? How, how much money is spent on political advertising? Right. Um, TV still matters uh, in a big way. Uh, and I think it, that will continue. Um, if you want to reach an audience and get them to remember you, you're going to be uh, on television, especially around big events like the Super Bowl. That's why the advertising on Super Bowl is so expensive. You know, right. you know you're going to reach that that mass audience, and you can have an impact. And then that will live on. You know, it kind of branches out. It goes out to. Um, other platforms you know <laughs> youtube becomes a viral super bowl commercial or something like that and half the times now they're they're out the commercials are out beforehand Before, yeah, they kind so of play. it's it but it is it's i think it's still a huge marketing play uh in terms of reaching a mass audience i i think the social aspect of it in terms of marketing is is the inter- the, the personal level that's where you get down to what matters to your audience where you could really get close to your audience and, and uh you know, understand what they want, and if you can understand what they want, you can give them more. You know, and you know, help lift your brand.
0: What's the secret sauce behind that?
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. And I said yesterday, like when I was speaking yesterday, talking about Casey Neistat, he didn't have any big data. Mm-hmm. You know, he he um, he approached it by watching what his viewers were responding to, and doing more of it. And I I, I think that's the most important thing for. Any type of marketing person or producer or journalist is, you know, just don't do what you think is right. You know, it's great to have an idea, right? But pay attention to your audience because if you're not paying attention to how they're engaging and how they're consuming and what they want, they're not going to they're not gonna come back. You know, that's the whole idea. Like, the customer's always right, right? <laughs> like, don't well, forget that. the customer that.
0: holds the power now, right? Yeah. So they are, they're the decision makers as opposed to things just continuously being broadcast as them. So I agree 100%. Yeah. Um,
1: And that is true because television, you know, for forever has just been one-way communication. And now it is. It is two-way communication. It's something that we always wanted. And it's most notable on platforms where, you know, like Facebook Live, where that interaction can happen in real time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've done. I've done a few Facebook lives for doing some Bravo
2: Press, and it's you know we're sitting there reading questions as they come in. It's it's a really powerful tool. I feel like that's going to continue to.
1: Oh yeah, I mean Instagram Live too is another. You know, it's not as a you don't necessarily have as big of audience as you're going to get on on Facebook Live, but. You can actually bring the person into your into your broadcast. You know, whoever it is, you can actually bring them in and you have a conversation with them live. Why so it's is just, that? Why do you just, think
0: that is? Why do you think that the audience is so drastically different, considering that?
1: Oh, it's just a, Instagram's
0: numbers might be higher. It's than just Facebook.
1: A, how Facebook is structured and how many people are on Facebook. I, there was one speaker yesterday who said Facebook was dead. I didn't see the speak. I read I about it him. later, and I'm thinking I, think of him, I said Facebook.
0: That might have been Paul.
1: No, it was um, it was the guy before. He talked about fake influencers. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, was you dead. said Facebook?
0: Because <clears throat> I know that he said Instagram TV, not to touch.
1: See, and I don't agree with that. Yeah. You see, I don't. A, I don't think Facebook is dead. I see it on a daily basis. You know, the the, the there's no no social platform out there that delivers the referrals that Facebook does. None. Right. Um. It, it's. Uh, it, you can't compare anything. And Twitter, helps you anything. with birthdays. Yeah, and helps uh. you with birthdays. Remember people's birthdays. it, it is still, you know, you have billions, billions of people. Day, let's baseball.
0: check whose birthday it is today. So they've already gotten you onto the platform to yeah. check the birthday. Now you could spend a couple of minutes snacking on content.
1: Right. Yeah, right? I think
0: I think it's a good draw. It definitely keeps you back it creates those habits of getting you back on there and taking a look at what's happening. I think it's just understanding the personalization aspect a little bit more. I don't think that they fine tune that. And then I don't know about you guys, but like I can scroll every swipe and I showed this to somebody that works at Facebook, so every swipe for me becomes it, I populate a new advertisement. So I'm being over advertised too. Interesting. Yeah
2: and i find the ads aren't effective for me personally i don't know what the metrics are but i, I it is very saturated i feel like with the ads yeah. but
1: yeah i'm not you sure kind of you know same. the whole banner ad thing and all that stuff I, I i don't know how i don't know how well that really works i think the most effective advertiser might be red bull <laughs> <Yeah. Which is laughs> because because so i
0: don't think i've ever gotten an advertisement to myself for red bull that's so fascinating yeah
1: because yeah. they deliver content yeah and you know that's you know they realized Um, you know early on that the way to get engagement was through content that their drinkers liked right? and it's worked yeah it's worked incredibly
2: they're enormous I had a friend who played hockey in Europe and he played for the Red Bulls of Munich and it was a hockey team but like fans of the hockey team they like hockey but now they're going to drink Red Bull because the team is sponsored by them and and the name of the team is that (laughs) and the content is the team so it was yeah really interesting play by them
0: so, finish this sentence. Sales and marketing means X Y Z to you.
1: It means X Y Z to me. I would say, sales and marketing is probably it's the driver, right? I mean, it's it's the, it's our lifeblood. You know, if you don't have both, you're not going to have um, you're not going to have anything. Yeah, it's like I don't know how to put it. It's like.
0: I think you're doing really well
1: cuz I agree I think it's a lifeline. Yeah, that. it is. I mean it's like it's the it's not the heart. I think I think the audience, the consumer is the heart. But it's what keeps everything flowing, right? So I can create all the content in the world, all the videos in the world. But if I don't distribute it right, if I don't have the execution correct, you know, I'm not if the marketing's not correct, I'm not going to have an audience or an audience that can sustain me and I need the revenue to keep making more (laughs) you -hmm. know it's so it's the lifeline it's the it's it's the blood that keeps it flowing I have a confession I've never been to Disney
2: World or Disneyland Oh, I've been deprived I want to go I've just never had the opportunity it's one of my
0: all time favorite places I am actually in the process of planning a trip right now I want to
1: go oh it's awesome how many times have you been Oh yeah, I've been to Disney World. uh, One, two, three, four times to Disney World this year. Um, (laughs) This year, that's an amazing. um, Actually, we were in Disneyland this 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 year for the first time. Wow, um, which is a much it's a much smaller experience, but still a wonderful experience. Um, You know, um, and uh, we'll talk about a brand that is, uh, you know, lived up to its name, and you know, uh, and it's great to work. For a yeah. company like that, you yeah. know, where you know that they care about the customer deeply and the customer experience is so important and you know that's why I love working for Disney, it's because that's our mission. Yeah. You know, it's all about it's all about the customer. Is there I have
2: one more question, sorry. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that's the whole name of the podcast, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. You mentioned Disney coming out with this streaming service in maybe the next year. Can you kinda I'm curious about it. Um
1: more, I don't know any more kid. than you do. Okay. <laughs> but you'll keep us in the loop, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's exciting, you know, to try new things. You know, if you read articles about it, you know, Bob Iger's talked about it. It's absolutely, you know, it's 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 a risk. It's a risk play. But it's, you know, you look at what's happening with the audience today and how they're consuming content. It's something that you, you have to do. It's worth trying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're a brand as powerful as Disney is and ABC is um, and ESPN, um, you know, you want to you want to make the most of that, you yeah, know, right. and you want to be able to have some control too over your content, uh, because it is your brand that's out there. And if you have the opportunity to um, to do something like this and connect with the audience in a direct way, I, I think it's a it's a fantastic move.
0: Right? How
1: it pays off, well, we'll see. We'll find out together. <laughs> yeah, and it's
0: actually a very exciting time. So, if you could leave our audience with one piece of advice, what would it be? Um,
1: I think it is like I said yesterday, is is start with your audience, know your audience, form that relationship. Uh, no matter what you're marketing, whether it's news, whether it's an amusement park, whether it's, you know, Subway sandwiches, I think your audience is, is the most important. Your customer is the most important. And develop that relationship, not just about getting clicks on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and getting the likes and all that. That's important, sure, but you have to have that that two-way communication, I think. this. I mean, we can, like you said before, you know, this is an age where we have the opportunity to connect, you know, one-to-one uh, that we never had before, and so you have the opportunity to understand the audience in a, in a different way, uh, and hopefully, you know, that helps create better content and produce better things. Wow, this has been great.
0: Really and, helpful, I love Yeah, it. and... I mean, I don't know if you want to give this, but what's the best way for people to reach you?
1: <laughs> oh, well, you can find me. Like, I, I
2: found him on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so. you can just
1: search me. Just search uh, Bob Monick on you know any social platform. You'll you'll find me on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn pretty much everywhere there is am i active on everything well you well, know, that's another question but i try to be as active you as i can you
0: might get some interesting pitches yeah i get it.
1: i try to i like last night i had been so busy with like midterms and and the marathon that i didn't have a chance to like go through my my linkedin mailbox so last night i sat down and i had about a dozen messages yeah. and some people were attending this event and uh, so i finally messaged them last <laughs> night so i you know that's the best way to connect with me i may not respond right away but i try to respond as as, as I can. i can like yeah Well, thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure.